here with Cami Lynn, certified motivational speaker, helping people overcome life trauma. And I'm so excited for our conversation today. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to our conversation too. It's exciting. I love to share. So I'm excited. I've enjoyed the past 15 minutes of us just playing around with our microphones (laughs) and figuring stuff out. It's been really part of the entrepreneurship journey figuring things out (laughs) exactly exactly and just if anybody's watching this recording I'm looking on my phone at my notes if I'm looking down because I'm holding my microphone but it's fine we're gonna figure it out as we go you know maybe next week I'll have a microphone stand who knows (laughs) 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 but I'm excited to have you on get up 10 podcast this is one of my purpose babies Um, I started it in 2018, and I think it really has two purposes. So one is just to remind people that they can get up from anything when life knocks them down. And that's also why I I love to bring on guests because I am willing to share my story, but your story might reach far more people than my story could or you know everybody has a different story so if they can't relate to my story hopefully they can relate to something that you'll say today so that's why I love to share my platform and the other flip side to it is just all about authenticity and and being yourself because I did name the podcast after Cardi B which it's so funny saying that because like I don't follow her or listen to her I yeah I don't but (laughs) At the time, I was, and she had a song called Get Up 10, so that's where the name came from, and then the authenticity piece is because I, in the beginning, like I said, now I know nothing about what Cardi B is doing, but at the right? time, I had watched her come up from, and I I only knew she was a stripper because of my college roommate and when she started reality TV, because that is not my world or scene. So I knew she started <laughs> as that. And then I she worked her way up to reality TV and then to her rap career. And the whole time she was true to herself. She didn't always have to be perfect and polished to put herself out there. And I just really respected that. So that is some of the background on where Get Up 10 comes from. So with that being said, how has life knocked you down? Um, it's knocked me down several times. Um, I will, um, my, I don't want to say my most recent, but I will say it's been recent within the last two years. This is the um, anniversary month of my daughter um, who was pregnant. Um, she had her baby at 32 weeks. Um, she was, had COVID. And it was the start of a very long journey that has actually brought me to where I am today because of the fact that what had happened to me is I was married. My daughter called me on Labor Day and said, I'm going on the ventilator. And I said, "Um, why? she had already been in the hospital at this point, 12 days. And we all thought that, you know, by her having her baby at 32 weeks, that she was really on the upswing of things. And, you know, we had our, you know, normal life activities happening. I was going to a wedding in California that weekend and, um, you know, things, I just, 
a normal life that we were all living in 2021, um, as much as normal as you want to call it during COVID. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, okay, fine. What can I do? And she's like, can you come please? So I was like, yes, definitely. I flew, I couldn't fly out the next day because Pickets were just stupid crazy, but I flew out the following day. And that was the beginning of a six month journey for me because when I got there, yes, my daughter was on the ventilator. She was completely knocked out. Um, she was a little bit coherent that day because they were talking about maybe taking her off the ventilator um, that week. And so it was very exciting. We thought, oh, great. She is on the road to recovery, but what that journey actually became was 29 days on the ventilator. My gosh. Normally after 15 days, they'll take you off and trach you, or they'll take you off and say, we either make it or we don't. And my daughter was so bad, had they taken her off of the ventilator, she would have never made it. However, though, I had picked up my life and I had left and went to South Dakota. So while I was in South Dakota, my husband was here in Arizona. And what I didn't know was um, that he was having an affair. So for this six months um, while I was gone, you know, he was coming to South Dakota every two weeks until... I want to say right around the holidays, then it just all of a sudden stopped. And um, in that, from September to actually December, I actually had custody of my grandchild because of the fact that my daughter was still in the hospital until the beginning of November. And so I had to learn to deal with not only having a child who was on the ventilator, who had to learn how to rewalk, who had to learn how to talk again, who had to learn life's functions and living on oxygen to being a grandma slash mom of a newborn baby. And I'm like, my kids are grown. I I knew nothing. Like I had all those little mommy instincts had to come back, of course. Yeah. And so that was a, a very long journey for me, but also dealing with the fact of knowing that your husband's having an affair couldn't be my priority. Yeah. And I found myself growing away from him. I didn't, it's kind of like it went to the back of my brain where it was no longer important for me. And I knew that I had to take care of my daughter and I had to take care of my grandson. Those were my priorities. And then once that happened, um, I came home in March and everything was all, all my feelings. They were just confirmed that what was happening was happening. And um, literally I moved out on a dime. You know, I just, we couldn't do it anymore. And I just left. And so that was the beginning of my divorce And learning how do you live without your best friend, your ride or die, your, you know, person that you've just spent the last 10 years every day with, you know. And so it was kind of a hard journey for me. And I felt like 
I had just hit the lowest point of my life because I'd never been or somebody who thought I would be in my 50s being single again. And so that's where I felt like I had hit rock bottom because at that point I had nobody to go to except for my daughter who, you know, had a husband and her own daughter and was living in a two bedroom apartment. And here I am knocking on the door saying, Hey, I need a place to stay. You know, so that's where I actually hit. Um, I think the hardest part of my journey, but it was kind of like a very big eye opener for me at the same time. I bet. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm just like, wow. And it just always reminds me of how you just never know what somebody is going through and how important it is. To just be kind to people because you have no idea what they have going on. Exactly. But I just, I'm still trying to organize all this in my brain. <laughs> so your daughter was on a ventilator in 2020 or 2020? 2021. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, so is your grandbaby okay? Oh yeah. He's healthy, spunky, crazy, just, you know, a normal kid, Good. a normal kid. He was actually a very large preemie for being born eight weeks early, but he has exceeded in everything that he's done. So Good. that, that saying COVID babies are built different. Oh, they definitely are yeah. built different. <laughs> I have an unintentional COVID baby, so. He was too. <laughs> yeah, my daughter was born in June 2020. So I say unintentional because I was pregnant before COVID, but she definitely was born during the pandemic. So yes, yeah, they are. That generation is different. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that they are. They're definitely different. And then yep. you went to South Dakota. So was that where your daughter was or... Yeah. So my daughter was living in South Dakota in a, a small town. And when she was in the hospital, she did go to a small hospital and then they ended up uh, transporting her to the the city of uh, Sioux Falls, where she ended up. That's where she ended up spending, well, 99% of her stay in the hospital. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I am a nurse by trade. So yeah, but oh, my hat's off to you, hon. <laughs> I have not worked bedside since 2020. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, the, the um the thing that I learned a lot about the hospital while I was there because I was there every single day. Thank mm -hmm. goodness it was uh, um towards the time you know when you could have visitors and stuff like yeah. that. And I was in a room mm -hmm. from morning to night, and um. She, you know, she was a trooper. She was a fighter. And the nurses just really had a lot of faith that, you know, don't give up. Never give up. She's going to come through this. So don't give up on her. And that's what we really, really had to live off of was never give up. Yeah. Because so we could have lost her four times. Wow. And it's just like that belief in believing it's okay everything's going to be okay just don't give up yeah that's definitely a message that I've been hearing this week like don't give up don't quit and it's so real 
and I don't have you ever talked to your daughter about like what was going through her head during that time if anything because I'm <laughs> yeah. wondering if that like inner mama bear was like I have to survive for my child or yes yes very much so um the thing about it was when she was first um put onto the ventilator she fought it a lot so she was under a lot of medications. They said that they'd given her enough meds to knock her completely out that would normally knock out two grown men. Oh my God. So she had, yeah, that's, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of cocktails, right? Yeah. And um, I'm just, I was floored, but you know, because of it, then she got a thing called serotonin syndrome where like when she would be laying in the bed, her legs may be out, but they would fall. Like her feet would go to one side or the other and they couldn't figure it out. They tried four different types of boots. They tried a whole lot of stuff for her, but it didn't work. And then a neurologist came in and said, have you checked for her for serotonin syndrome that like maybe she's getting too many mixtures of medication? Well, come to find out there was several people on the floor that was having these same issues and it come to find out that it was the mixture. And so as soon as they stopped doing that and figured out another way to keep her comfortable, um, she was able to get past that part too. Um, so many people were against ivermectin and stuff like that. Um, I have a cousin who, or a niece, I should say, that worked for a hospital in California and he's an in internal medicine. And he said, she needs ivermectin to save her life. And the thing about it was, this was a nonprofit hospital, of course. And so they um, didn't believe in that kind of stuff. And she ended up getting two parasites and they gave her ivermectin. And within a week, she was off of the ventilator. Wow. So, you know, it was definitely life-changing because it would have been like, how long would we have stayed in this state of mind had she not got that? You know, she got one parasite, they got past it. Then she got two parasites. Um, don't know how or anything like that, but she did get, ended up getting two parasites. And that's how they ended up being able to actually then at that point give her ivermectin and like I said, within a week, she was off the ventilator. That's crazy. And so, like I said, I haven't worked bedside since 2020 and ventilators are definitely not one of my favorite devices to have to handle. But when you said 29 days, that's literally where my nurse brain went like, oh my gosh, like there's a chance for infection. And so to hear that that's exactly what happened. <sighs> Oh, that's just, yeah. I can't even imagine how difficult that time period must have been for you guys. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And then, then you have, I, I also understand when you said how everything that's going on with your husband was just kind of like put on the back burner. Cause I feel like even though our brains are incredible and like, we don't even use all of them or all of our brain capacity there is like limits to where you're you just get to a point where you're like I can't even handle all this and stuff just starts to go off to the side or mm -hmm. that's exactly yeah so when did you I don't I don't even know like how I mean, how did you process all like you said after was it after your daughter got out the hospital then you could finally like 
pick that back up or did it come did the emotions come out before then? It started. Um, so I got there at the beginning of September. I actually arrived September 7th. Um, at the end of September, I started getting text messages, um, you know, that this was happening and different things like that. So at first I was like, there's no way, no way this is happening to me. And, um, you know, I'd bring it up to him and he'd be, you know, reassure me nothing was going on and stuff like that, but it just continued. And then they started calling me in the middle of the night and things like that. So the other person was reaching out to you. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, I, um, ended up blocking them and just, cause I, I, at that point I could not worry about what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, I had my suspicions, you know, our cameras were being turned off or him leaving the house. And then the next picture is on the camera is him in the same clothes or, you know, things like that. So there was, there was definitely things that led me to believe that, yes, this was truly happening. But at that point, I still didn't want to believe it. And then, you know, when you come home, I was literally gone for six months. And when I came home, my home no longer felt like my home. Yeah. And I, I had to mentally prepare myself for the worst of, is my husband truly doing this? And what am I going to do? And I started to process those things, but it still wasn't, I wasn't ready to just leap when I did. Cause literally on a Friday night, me and him, I had caught him again and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And he said, you know what, this ain't working. And I was like, you're right. I packed up my bags and I left that night and I never came back. And so, you know, um, I just, it, it got pushed to the back of my brain though, those six months prior. And I just, I couldn't um, allow it to take over me because I think if it did that I would have been in a worse situation when I came home. And so, but that literally, I think that was my lowest point is after coming home from, you know, her having COVID. Yeah. And then did you ever consider staying in the marriage or did you realize like he doesn't want this I don't want this let's just end it that's exactly what we both did we both decided this was not working for us and we ended it you know we tried marriage counseling and um I felt like I was always being attacked and that um he would hit triggers or say things to trigger me to get me mad to make me look like the bad person because I always walked out of our counseling sessions really, really upset. And so it would be easy for them to think she's the bad one. That's so crazy. I can only (laughs) imagine how hard that must have been. And oh, was this so I think you mentioned that you guys were married for 10 years. Was that your first marriage? No, no. Mm -mm. But I thought it was my last. I never thought that I would be like I said, 55 years old and going, wow, I'm divorced. I have literally nothing. You know, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't have anything because I had a lot, but like 
I had just lost my best friend, my ride or die, my husband, my spouse, you know, uh, my partner in crime, you know, whatever you call your significant other, I just lost mine on the drop of a hat. I mean, like that. Yeah. And so it was kind of, it's crazy because now you, and, and, you know, you know, during COVID we didn't like, we couldn't go hang out with our friends. We couldn't do a lot of stuff. And so it's kind of like, he, he was everything to me, you know? So I just had to learn. Yep. I can relate a little bit because I'm also going through a divorce process and it has been a ride to say the least. And I remember in the beginning, because it it is a grieving process. There is a grieving process that takes place. And so my divorce is related to abuse. And I think in the beginning, I had to even accept and come to terms with the fact that abuse was taking place. And then once I accepted that, then it was like, okay, well, I can't go back. And then processing, like, I'll be... I think I was 23 at the time. Yeah. Um, here I am, 23 year old getting a divorce. Like <laughs> I just yeah. don't think you hear about that often, even though I've learned that it happens more than you'd think, but you don't always hear about it. So there's just a whole grieving process and unpacking of what just happened and what's happening and and what's going to happen moving forward that has to take place. So yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. Okay. It's uh um it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And I think that whether you're 23 or you know somebody my age um going through a divorce is hard. And like you said, you just like said something that really just stuck with me. You said it's a grieving process. You know, I I, I never thought of that but as soon as you said that I'm like wow she just said it's a grieving process and I had never thought of it because it, it is it truly is you just lost somebody you know and I guess grieving doesn't necessarily mean that they passed away but they're just not there with you anymore yeah and it's so just a lot the process the processing of a loss so whether that is your marriage and then also you might have also been grieving your home because you said you left and also when you came back it wasn't what it used to be so I can only imagine that also played a part into everything as well because I also had to leave my home move back in with my parents and to this day I still think about like oh like I actually had a home and and I was really looking forward to that and I mean I'm sure you were in yours longer than I was in mine because my marriage was like, <laughs> everything happened so fast. But yeah, even moving can, I think, elicit is the word, a grieving process. So there's so many things that come with a divorce like that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to the next question. Now that we've gotten a picture of your story, which I'm still just like, wow, <laughs> like let's lighten up a little bit and talk about how did you get back up from all that? Right. Cause you were, it was like punch after punch after punch. So how did you get back up? I got a coach. I literally got a coach. So I, I, I mentioned that I went through the um, counseling counseling did nothing for me. 
absolutely nothing. And I ended up going to a mastermind and joining their program. But in the meantime, I met a lot of um, really great people. And I was fortunate enough to meet a coach that um, when I joined her program, she literally, how do I want to say it, broke it down. And I tell her all the time that it was a process that you learn where did your issue really stem from so like my story when I break down my story and I go hmm where did what happened to me in life that I was like why don't I trust men why don't I believe them a lot of times, where did that, where did that trust issue come from? Right. And what it did was took me all the way to my childhood. Now, mind you, when she broke, when we did this session, I was crying. I, have you ever had like one of those cry sessions where you can't stop you? Like, I call it snot crying because like everything up here is just coming out. Yeah. It's all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally had one of these sessions with her and it came to find out it really stemmed from me being a little girl and being molested by my parents' best friends. Wow. So, (laughs) so when you think about that and you go, I was like, okay, but how does, how, how are you trying to associate the two of them together? She said, name things that was taken from you at that point. So mind you, I was about five years old. And uh, I was like, well, my innocence was taken. She's like, yes. And then she's like, what else? And I was like, my light bulb went off. And I said, trust. So I was five years old when trust was taken from me. And growing up, Out of all the men I know, there's only one man that has never let me down. And that's my father. Because my dad was always there. My dad was always real. My dad was always honest. And people will say, well, why didn't you tell your dad? Because I know my dad so well that he would have been six feet under the ground. Not my dad, but somebody else. Yeah. And. And then I'd had to been visiting my dad, holding up my hand to be like, hi, dad, <laughs> let's hold hands here. You know, <laughs> I, no, that's not how I wanted to visit my dad. That's not how yeah. I wanted my dad. So it was something that I always said that I would take to my grave. But I didn't learn until last year how it's truly affected me in life. But once I was able to associate the two, it also opened my eyes as to how I've settled. So I was settling for people that I thought loved me and was always going to have my best interest in their mind, which wasn't always the case, obviously. So I had to now learn what is it that I truly am looking for? What is it that I want? And are you willing to settle? And I won't, I won't settle. I won't allow 
somebody to come into my life and disturb it. I have peace. I have happiness. I have love. And so there's nobody that I can allow now into my life that's going to disrupt it because that's all we ever want, you know? And so that's, that's how I got back up. Honestly, that is how I got back up. And I love life. I love everything about what I do and, you know, um, getting to share and things like that. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm probably going <laughs> to tell because another one in there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> My camera is trash, but I definitely was over here tearing up listening to you because I'll share with you first how what was going through my mind as I'm listening to you um so when you said that you didn't want to tell your dad because your dad was like the only good guy um I got emotional because I thought about when I was in my abusive situation and my daughter's father literally like threatened physical harm towards my dad and I just remember being so afraid because I wanted to protect my dad and I didn't want, I never, to this day, I'm like still, I don't want my dad anywhere near my daughter's father because I'm just like, I don't know what could happen, but just that desire to protect my daddy. And that's what I hear like that you internalize as well as a little girl. Like I just want to protect my dad. And so that made me emotional. And then I'm trying to remember what else you said because I feel like there was more that I processed but I love I don't know if it'll come back to me but I love that you just <laughs> mentioned I love the the full I guess it is like a full circle like you can mm-hmm. obviously tell like there has been so much healing and restoration and light that is there now and I think that's amazing and I love that you this is what I was gonna say I love that you did all of that internal work or as I love to call it the heart work yeah it's so important and I also had to do the same thing after leaving my daughter's father because if we don't stop and ask ourselves those deep questions we're just doomed to repeat the cycle so I love that you were able to to gain that insight and clarity and decide we're not doing this anymore and I love that you I think I wrote it down I won't allow someone to come into my life and disturb it and I love that because even though I'm going to be 27 this year which is crazy (laughs) um I just think of the the pattern of relationships I've been in and I know a lot of women can probably relate to this where like you're doing good by yourself and then you get in the wrong relationship and it like takes you backwards it disturbs you it disrupts that flow so I think it's so powerful when you get into that flow or I don't I don't know if I'm I'm trying to think if there's a better word to use but like I can't think of a better word than flow. <laughs> that no, flow. I get it. I agree a thousand percent with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is who I am. This is what I like. This is what makes me show up as the best version of myself. Um, there's nothing like when you get to that place. And then I also have made up the same decision of like, I will not be with somebody who does not add to my life or make it better. Before I definitely was settling and and compromising. And now that's just not an option. So it feels good to talk to another beautiful person who also has the same resolve, who also has her mind made up in the same way. And I really hope that somebody listening will also decide to make that decision for themselves too, as they listen to this. And I also wanted to ask you, so you said 
coaching. Coaching is what got you through. Coaching is what helped you back up. I'm curious as to what drew you to this woman where you said, like, I got to work with her. Her, she is so genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I want to say that is probably one of the most caring. And, and I, and I say that, and I mean, I know a lot of people who are caring, but like, I have never had somebody who just like, I felt like just wrapped their arms around. I shouldn't say that I haven't because I have, but this woman, she just wrapped her arms around me and said, no matter what you're going through, Cammie, I want to be here for you. And so when she opened up her coaching program without hesitation, not a problem. I want to be your first. I want to be that one that you coach and that you tell me everything's going to be okay because we're going to get through this. And she did just that, you know, and she brought so much more to it. And so it's kind of like, um, I just had that comfort level. And I think that when you have a coach, whether it be a life coach, a a physical trainer, um, any type of coach that you have, you just have to be able to feel comfortable with them. You have to be able to know that if I'm working with you or you're working with me or what, whoever, you know, that you have the, the feeling of like, I'm in a safe zone. Yeah. I have grown children and my children didn't know my story. Hmm. I, when I say I was taking it to my grave, I was taking it to my grave. So, but after meeting her, I'm like, no, I'm no longer taking this to my grave because if it happened to me, it's still happening. It's still people out there that are experiencing these things. And I spoke at a mastermind in March and I spoke about this and literally a lady came up to me and hugged me afterwards and said, I have been, I experienced the same things also. She's like, but mine was by several people. And I'm just like, my heart breaks, you know, Uh, it's, it's not easy because you have to take yourself back to those moments. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that there's been times where you've been triggered, you know, and you go, Oh no, 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 that, that memory has got to go back, (laughs) throw it back, 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 back in there and you lock it up and you allow more things to get on top of more things and more things get on top of more things. And then all of a sudden that trauma that you've had, is down at the bottom of your feet in your very, very big toe at the very, very tip, you know, and you find that you've just continued to pile more and more stuff on it that you don't want, that you don't want to remember it. But all of a sudden there's a trigger. Yeah. It's so crazy how our minds, I guess, will just be like, Oh, that hurt. I don't want, I don't want to think about it. I don't want, it didn't happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has definitely happened to me over the past few years, especially in as I wrote my book, 
which is coming out soon, my book Thrive. Um, in the writing process, it unlocks memories that I forgot about. And it's just, yeah, that's a crazy mm-hmm. thing. And yeah, yeah, it just also becomes like baggage and coats and layers that just get packed on. Mm-hmm. It becomes so heavy and it's I'm like smile. I won't say it's funny, but like I'm smiling to myself because I literally had a therapy session this week and I told my therapist, I was like, honestly, I almost canceled our appointment today because things are pretty good. But I realized like it's not healthy to wait until things are out of control. <laughs> to <book a> therapy <laughs> session. Like life is definitely a lot better when you don't let things pile up and get out of control. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As I was listening to you, two things came to mind. So one is just about finding your voice, because I think that's another thing that I've been hearing or thinking about this past week. Um, Because you, you changed from I'm taking this to the grave to no, like somebody needs my story. And I think that is so huge and I commend you for that because it takes a lot of courage to share your story especially when it's not rainbows and butterflies (laughs) and right the perfect life (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I want to give you your flowers for having the courage to be here and smiling and beautiful and sharing your story Um, because I have also been through some things that have made me feel like I'm better off being quiet several things especially and I think that started I don't even know when it started but I know for sure in my adult years like in my college years on to being an abusive relationship there were so many instances that happened that just taught me like just be quiet like your voice doesn't Mm. matter and even to this week when I went to go pick up my book that I'm editing I got the physical copy for me to look over and I'm reading it and I'm like these are not my words whoever edited this changed a lot (laughs) and I was not ready for it and it really triggered me because I was like I put my voice into this and my voice has been changed and I was telling my mom and she was like when did that start for you and I was like you know good question but definitely in my adult years and speaking of my me sharing that with my mom and my mom asking me that question I thought it was interesting how you said that you'd never told your children um, so I'm guessing, did you actually like tell them or did you, did they hear it as you shared your story with others? I, um, did end up sharing with, well, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, she was actually at the house when I had my breakthrough. So she wow. actually learned at that moment, um, when I was actually having it, um, uh, my other children, um, learned after the fact And so it's kind of like, you know, even, even though I shared my story with them, I wasn't for sure. Like, how are they going to take it? How are they going to, you know, my kids are very loving. So I wasn't worried about them being like, ew, but you know, them being, you know, like, oh, wow. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was more scared that you know, if I said something to them, were they going to come out and tell me something had happened to them? Thankfully, nothing happened to my children growing up. But you know, it was, it was definitely something that I had to get comfortable talking about. 
And so it wasn't, it was not an easy thing. And so when, when it's put heavy on you to uh, use your voice, don't sit back and be quiet. You need to tell your story. Your story will help other women. And, you know, what we find out nowadays is that so many men or so many wives or, you know, because it goes both ways mm-hmm. that they think it's okay to put their hands on another person or think that it's okay to verbally or mentally or anything to that abuse word that it's okay and it's not we don't have to take it you know but we also have to know when to walk away and so and it's not not always something easy for people to say like I couldn't say to you oh well you should have walked away I mean that's easy for me to tell you but I'm not living in your house I'm not living your nightmare you know and so Mm -hmm. It's definitely, we have to find our voice and be able to be like, enough is enough. Yeah. Only you can decide that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I also want to stay on this whole topic of you telling your kids for a second, because I think that is so profound that you did that. And I think that action, it's, it creates like freedom. It like, I had to have broken something off of you to be able to do that because I even just think about the generations within my own family where I don't really know too much about my grandma's life to be honest and then my mom has shared things with me over the years about different things that she's been through and it definitely gives me a different uh, respect and understanding for her and I still kind of question like is there more stuff that my mom hasn't told me? You know, I don't know. And then I think about myself because I've always considered myself very much open book. And I think my daughter will end up knowing a lot about me as she continues to get older between obviously the work that I'm doing now with my podcast and as right. And in my book, she's going to be able to read some of my stories. But also I think... And for my mom, she, my mom and I have a great relationship. Like I can literally tell that woman anything. And I think because she laid that groundwork, I will have, I hope that I will have the same type of relationship with my daughter. And I think as mothers and and free grandmothers, I can say too, just like as a woman, when you do the healing work, when you do the inner work, it really affects generations. It's, it's so powerful. So I'm really happy yeah. that you shared that and that you did that. Thank you. It's a, uh, it definitely is a um, part of me that when I did speak about it, that it felt good to get it off my back. And, you know, um, so my, I mean, it's out, you know, and I don't have to worry about it as far as like, I'm concerned. I did take it to my grave. I took it to my mother's grave. I took it to my father's grave. Neither one of them knew about it. And those were the people that I didn't want to know about it, you know? And so it's kind of like, I, I let, I, I kept it in me long enough 
Yeah. And now the world needs to know it's okay. We, you know, a lot of people in our generation um, have dealt with these things and they don't talk about it Mm -hmm. and they should because it's a relief. Yeah. I just think about shame and the weight of shame and how heavy it is. And when you finally get free from it, how good it feels. I know that's something I've even had to deal with in my own life. And yeah, there's just so, there's so much freedom to be found. Exactly. Exactly. That somebody listening to us will decides to get curious about the freedom and how are these women able to smile and speak about their stories and desire the same healing and freedom for themselves I really hope that yes and and you know what you got so much time that you are going to have this legacy for your daughter your daughter is going to have this amazing life that she's just going to be like yes this was my mom. This is what my mom laid down for me. My mom said enough is enough. And there's nothing going to stop her from finding her freedom, her happiness, her joy, her peace, and her comfort. And so your daughter is going to grow up knowing that, you know, so you keep building your legacy, you keep being that strong, powerful woman that you are. Thank you. You got a lot ahead of you, huh? I'm getting so emotional. I'm just getting emotional. <laughs> honestly, ever since Atlanta, I don't know, that trip with Coach Will just really changed. Something shifted. And ever since then, I've been super emotional. But I think part of it, I was telling my therapist, is that it's like I just heard the wording of of this or uh, whatever, however to say it, like, I was listening to a pastor and he said something and I was like, oh, like that's what's been going on with me. And so he said that it's like his heart is aware of realities before his mind is. And I think like that's what's been going on with me is like I'll hear things or I'll see things and it'll resonate with me because it's like I'm still believing for so much more. And so and what you just said, it just echoes like a prophetic word that I had received Um couple years ago now so I'm like okay thank you God for just reminding me of that and I just love spending time with God because I've been pretty consistent about that lately and sometimes when you're spending time with God it's like well that was boring or that I didn't really there wasn't a beautiful like revelation moment but I'm just looking back on my week and the different moments I've had with him and then how it's like all coming out in our conversation now. And I'm like, oh, I love how that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. it. You know, and so I am, too. I've loved this conversation. And I think that, you know, you get the perspective of two different people, you know, somebody who's young and somebody who's older. And so it's been a, a great, you know. I mean, even just talking to you, you know, I've been able to go, oh, I've had those aha moments. And so, you know, it's been amazing. So so glad. So, yeah, I still have a few more questions and they won't be as heavy. All right. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) So what does it look like to you to live life with no filter and authentically be yourself? I think it really, truly for me goes back to um, learning that I could no longer settle. So I am 
very um, transparent now. And if somebody enters my life that I feel like, I don't want to say bad vibes from, or um, I just don't believe in their, their ways or what they're saying to me. I've just learned that there's no place for them in my life. And so I've had to learn how to surround myself with what I want. I had to learn how to surround myself with people that are like-minded. Now I may be the one in the back of the bus because of the fact that, you know, I'm a little slower to do things and put things in place, but in my heart it's done in my mind, it's done. And I know exactly what it is that I want and I will accomplish, you know, because my legacy didn't start when I was five. My legacy started when I was 55. Mm -hmm. So how do I now take and do everything that I wanted and place it into my dash now? You know, many of us have our year of birth and our date of death, but how is my dash now going to go from this big to this big, you know? And so I think that it's, I had to honestly, like I said, just learn that I won't settle. And I, 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 I'm very transparent and I mean, I've had people coming in now in my life and I'm just, I'm very real with them and I just tell them you in my life at this point doesn't work. I'm sorry. I wish you nothing but the best, but I, I don't want no interruptions in my life at this point. I love that. I'm so big on not settling as well. So I love to hear you say it too. And I also really appreciate that you're not just like, oh, I'm 50 now. My life is half <laughs> over. You're like, no, like I still have things that I want for myself and that I'll see for myself. And I really appreciate that, especially as I'm still in my 20s. And sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> Just great things. Just kind great of rocky. Things. Thank you. So I actually just posted this on Facebook because I saw somebody else literally say that, like, I'm 25 and I feel like I'm at the end of the world. And I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that. And I shared some things that have helped me through my 20s. And one of them is hearing somebody who's ahead of me speak about their life with so much hope. So thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I have a few more fun questions that'll be really quick so these you don't know about <laughs> okay okay but they're, they're not that deep <laughs> um if you could travel anywhere in the world right now where would you go I'd be in Hawaii um it's one of my favorite places uh I'm not one to be traveling out of the country uh, I'll be that one that would end up doing that and get lost and nobody would ever find me, you know, so oh, no. I, the, <laughs> I'm scared of that kind of stuff. So I'll just go to Hawaii where I love Hawaii. Um, I love the atmosphere. I love the people. I love the weather. And it's just so peaceful there. So that's where I would be. How many times have you been there? Twice twice or two or three times okay um uh, the first one I was there for seven days I actually won that trip and mm. that was the most amazing trip I'd ever been on and then I went again uh 2000 and did I go in 2019 
or that no it must have been hmm it's been within the last few five years. It's been within the last five years. And it was just amazing. I just, I love Hawaii. And so that's where I'd be. Nice. I love that. I've never been yet. And I love to travel. And I'm also, again, laughing to myself because I'm like, oh, I was just thinking about Hawaii. I think yesterday. <laughs> because there you I'm go. I'm, I'm your clue that you need to go. God's gonna have to work that out <laughs> but it's definitely on the list because it's it's kind of embarrassing how this came up but I love food <laughs> and I'm still exploring all the like local eateries because I've been in Florida for a little over a year now and there's a Hawaiian uh place that I've noticed I guess it's a chain I just learned but I've never been and I I do like Hawaiian food so I was looking at the reviews for this Hawaiian place and I was thinking to myself like wow I really think Hawaii is like its own culture like it's it seems very different from the rest of the U.S. so and I've heard about how beautiful it is so it's definitely on my list I love that you definitely gotta go gotta go and then is there a amazing food oh yeah I mean might not be the healthiest but not important it's fine as long as it tastes <laughs> good <laughs> exactly uh what's a song that you have been listening to recently or that is I don't know a song for this season of your life if you have one I have one actually oh. and it's called the champion or I am champ I am a champion and it's by Carrie Underwood okay and the song literally talks about getting knocked down getting back up it talks about being unbreakable, unstoppable, uninventable, um, you know, and that is just my theme. That's my life. That, yes, you knocked me down, but guess what? I got back up. Yes. And guess what? I got back up stronger than I was. And so that is definitely my theme song. I love that. And, and anybody who's never listened to it, because I never heard about it. I never heard this song before until I went to a conference and she played it. And I was like, this is my wife. <laughs> and so if you haven't heard it or you haven't listened to it, it's going to be your new song. I'm going to listen to it on my way to go get my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Carrie Underwood has some really great songs. So, yeah. And then here you are on Get Up 10 Podcast perfect right exactly it and then my last question is do you have a book recommendation so it could be something that you have read recently that was really good or just a book that really left a deep impact on you I read a lot of books um I would um two books come into my mind um one is shift into a higher gear by Dr. Della Toro. And uh, that is an amazing book. I listened to it on, um, I listened to it. And then I also have the actual book book. And it's just a reminder that, you know, you have to shift into a higher gear. Because if you grow complacent where you are, you, you know, are you, it, it for me it just goes back to if you are happy where you are and there's no growth what are you doing you're settling you've yeah. done hit that top of that ceiling and you think okay this is it when really your glass ceiling 
is about ready to fall and you can break through. And so I, I, it's an amazing book. The other one is Unf Your Mind um, or Unf Your Brain. Uh, it's Unf Your Mind, I think it is. And I just started reading this book. It was highly recommended to me. And so I just started reading it and I'm like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great book. The title sucks, but sometimes that's what we got to do, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, they could have probably picked a more appropriate title, but it's it's a book that that's what I'm actually reading now. So, okay, I found it to be a good one. Perfect. That's I guess all. I have one more Atomic okay. Habits. Atomic oh, Habits. That one always comes up, and I still haven't read it yet. <laughs> Great book. My, so one of my kids stole it from me just recently. I had two copies, and they're both gone. So, and I'm sure they're at my two daughters' houses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> At least they're reading, you know what they're reading and it's good. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly it. Exactly it. Well, my youngest daughter is the one who gave me the book that I'm reading right now. And she's like, uh, mommy, yeah, you definitely need to read this book. And so I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> if my 31 year old or my 30 year old daughter told me I need to read this book, I probably should read this book. And so I'm reading it. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm like, hmm. Do I share books with my mom? I could see my sister doing that with her future children. <laughs> there you go. I love there that. you go. That's all yep. the questions I have for you. I have really enjoyed this interview like so much. And I, before I would just cut it, I want to ask you if you have any last thoughts or anything that you want to leave the audience with. Just really um, be authentic with yourself. Be true to yourself what you want in life today. You're a perfect example. You're a nurse and you're no longer in that field. So you found what, what your calling truly is. Right. And so when you find that, go for it. When you have a voice and you think that you need to hold back, don't be loud and proud because if you don't, they're just going to continue. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, I'm not a doormat. I'm not saying that you're a doormat. But what I am saying is, is that if you don't speak up for yourself and you allow people to speak for you or speak over you or speak um, unkindly to you, that that's what you're always going to attract. And so be real with yourself and learn settling is not okay. That's it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tammy Lynn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have absolutely loved it. I love that you're sharing your platform with me and um, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Of course. We might have to have you back one day. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, anytime, anytime. (laughs) 